if you are in a trial, which we said in Romans 3 and 4, is Romans 1 through 3 is God's uh, trial against us, and then 3.22 and following is God now takes our side as a lawyer and is going to present a case for us. And any trial, uh, timing, if it's a murder trial or any, uh, someone who's trying to get off, um, if they can prove without doubt that they weren't at the scene of the crime or they were doing something else at the time the crime happened, then they couldn't possibly be the suspect. So timing in a trial is everything. And we'll see in Romans 4, 9 to 12, we're only going to deal with four verses a day because we do have communion at the end and because we have our business meeting after as well. Uh, So just four verses today. Uh, In understanding the timing of righteousness, when is righteousness given? You see here, God's blessed salvation is for all. Now verse, uh, we read 4 to 12. Uh, 1 to 12, and uh, look at verse 9 with me as he asks a question uh, here and at the beginning of verse 10. uh, Some more questions. And so Paul's trying to follow this logic of the blessing that is uh, God giving us his righteousness, causes us to be happy and blessed, and it is only uh, when faith is exercised. It is attached directly to our faith, and back in verse 26 of Romans 3, it is faith in Jesus, his death and his resurrection. And we get that from 1 Corinthians 15. So verse 9 says, is is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. So again, uh, quoting the Old Testament from Genesis 15, 6. And if you read Galatians with us this week, you saw that quoted in Galatians. You will see it uh, in uh, Hebrews as well. So at least three times, and maybe more, in the New Testament, Abraham's, and, 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 and in the book of James, you will see that Abraham's faith It was counted to him or credited to him, calculated and resulting in his righteousness. So faith is righteousness, and it's available to all. And so Paul's going to look at the timing of Abraham's faith. When was Abraham's faith counted as righteousness? And if it's counted at a certain time, then the case is available, then salvation is clarified and is salvation available for all? He's getting to this um, conclusion of which he started in 3.22 with the good news of there is no distinction with God. Everyone can have God's righteousness through faith in Christ. And you notice there in verse 3.22, it is for all, and there's no distinction. And so the timing of Abraham's righteousness is important for our consideration in uh, following this logic by a lawyer in a courtroom, and timing is, is everything. All right, so God's blessed salvation plan is for all. How can we say, then, that God's salvation 
is for all. All the notes uh, are going to be here, and then I'll have another slide uh, with the application. But I chose Galatians 3 as a cross-reference because you all read that this week. And so Galatians 3, if you can't see it on the screen, you're welcome to look it up. Galatians 3, 6-9. Consider Abraham. He believed God, and it was credited or counted to him as righteousness. And then in, I took this off of the internet, and there's some cross-references there and showing you the verse 6 in Genesis 15, 6, which is Abraham's salvation. Understand then, Galatians 3 goes on, that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. God said in Genesis 12:3, he reiterated it in 18:18 18, 18, and 22:18. So those three cross references there from Genesis um, back up what he says in Galatians 3:8, and then verse 9. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. And I show you those verses because you read them. I wasn't in Sunday school, so I don't know what Shane spoke on. I'll I'll, look, I'll watch it to later today or tomorrow. I was teaching in my own class, but. However, he emphasized, uh, I know Galatians is a long book to, to cover in one week, but I want to make sure you didn't miss this from Galatians 3 in your reading, in your study, because you'll notice how, how parallel Galatians 3, 6, and 9 is with the passage that's before us today. Now, Galatians is written before Romans. So the Roman believers may have act, had access to uh, some of the truth of Galatians as it was passed around the Roman Empire. It wasn't posted on the internet because they didn't have internet in those days. And it wasn't uh, instant communication like we have today. It wasn't on the news, on TV. It had to be hand-delivered, hand-copied, and uh, distributed throughout um, the churches in the Roman Empire. So we're not sure if at the time that Paul writes Romans that his audience would have access to Galatians, but um, if you do compare Galatians 3 and Romans 4, you're like, wow, this is so parallel, and it is. So follow back to Romans uh, 4 and verse 9. If you think about Abraham, and Abraham's going to be mentioned over and over again in this, in this uh, chapter. I went back this week to read Genesis 12, which is Abraham's story, and Genesis records that Abraham leaves his homeland, all of the wealth that would he would have inherited, and the land, and the, like the family business and everything, he leaves all of it and goes to where he's a stranger and kind of starting over. But he's not starting over as a 25-year-old, he's starting over as a 75-year-old, financially starting over. Why? Because he trusted God. But you'll see in Abraham's life, he is not counted righteous in all of Genesis 12, all of Genesis 13, all of Genesis 14, and in Genesis 14, um, those from Sodom and Lot's family um, are captured, and Abraham goes with his servants and uh, fights them, and he comes back. And the priest of the Most High God is Melchizedek, and Abraham tithes to him. So Abraham is, and he is building at least, I believe, three or four altars to the Lord. He calls on the name of the Lord, and all of that time, he's not a believer. 
you say, what? The New Testament is as clear as it can be that the timing of Abraham's salvation is important. Abraham's life, in, if you read Genesis 12, he looks like a faithful to God man. He's learning to trust God. In that time, he also lies about his wife being his sister, and um, he still struggles with faith after his salvation. But he looks like Cornelius of Acts 10. Cornelius was a just man, or he was a devout man. It, said it, wasn't, it didn't say he was just. He was devout. He feared God. He gave alms. He prayed, but he wasn't a believer. Because no one's a believer until God gives you his righteousness. And God gives you his righteousness when you put all of your faith in him for your salvation. Not part. Now, Abraham had some faith. He is mentioned as having faith in Hebrews 11, but he is not counted as righteous. He doesn't have God's righteousness, and therefore he's not a believer until 15.6, four chapters in to his story. He appears to be a believer before then, but he's not. And there are people in the church that Jesus tells a story about that I had to teach, that I got to teach in Sunday school, about the wheat, the parable of the weeds, that God has people in his kingdom, and there are people not in his kingdom, and they're growing up together in families, in churches, and the angels at the end of time are going to separate the wheat from the tares. And this is a fearful thing, that there are unbelievers in the midst of believers, and God will divide. And it's a scary thing that Jesus is telling us in Matthew 13. But the timing is the important part of that story, where we want to separate all, every Christian from un, un, unbelievers, uh, and God says, no, uh, not the right time. God will perfectly separate the, those who are in his kingdom from those who are not. And that's at the end of time, and that's not before. And so how do we know that we can, have, we can be in God's kingdom? Well, you have to have God's righteousness. Your sin uh, condemns you, convicts you. Uh, God is going to use the law. He's going to use the Old Testament. He's going to use your conscience. He's going to use creation in Romans 1 to 3 to make sure that every human being is guilty before him and that by the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight. Since through the law comes the knowledge of sin, that's 3.20. And so he starts in, in 4 to show us how it is faith alone. And the timing of Abraham's salvation is important. And so that's the first point, the timing of God's salvation of Abraham. And so we're going back to... Um, we're, we're going to stay in the New Testament, but we're going to go back to thinking about Abraham, and he's going to ask a couple questions. When was Abraham counted as righteous? See, if he's counted as righteous after he has this physical sign of circumcision, then it appears that circumcision is required for salvation. And today, Jewish people and those following Islam uh, practice this, 
and many others do for medical reasons. But this is a private, um, personal, and physical, and it's permanent. It's lifelong, and usually it's eight days old, that a child in the Old Testament was said to be uh, circumcised, and we'll find out why here. And you read about that in Galatians as well. You'll see this word, uh, circumcised, and this uh, concept uh, in Galatians. It's here in Romans. It was in Acts 15 that the church, uh, some Jewish people said, no, unless you are circumcised, you cannot be saved. And that's Acts 15, 1. And so they had the very first Jerusalem council, it's called, the first church council, and they decided, oh no, you don't have to be physically Jewish to be in God's family. And Abraham actually wasn't an Israelite, and we'll find out the timing of his salvation. And it says here that when we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness, verse 9, And he asked the question at the beginning of verse 9, is this blessing, the blessing of God's righteousness and forgiveness of sin, the gift of salvation, when we trust, is that only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? Hmm. Okay. Well, verse 10. How then was it counted to him? Or when was it? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? Now, this is pretty easy. If you go back to Genesis 15, You'll find that that's when Abraham, 15, 6, that's a very important verse. It's quoted multiple times in the New Testament. Genesis 15, 6. That's when Abraham was declared righteous by God. Genesis 15, 6. When did he get the covenant with God for circumcision? It was Genesis 17. Oh, so if we are in a jury and we're looking at the evidence and Paul's showing us evidence here, Timing of circumcision and salvation are important. Let's go back to Abraham. When was Abraham declared righteous by God? Before or after he was circumcised? If it's after, we got issues. If it's before, it's clear. It's faith alone. No one is saved by works. And circumcision is a work. All right, so the timing of God's salvation of Abraham is important. You can go back and look. You'll see 17. Genesis 17 is when circumcision was instituted, and Genesis 15 is when he is counted righteous. I hope it's clear. It's clear to me. It's clear to Paul. It's clear to Paul's audience. And if we're a part of the jury looking at this trial, okay, it should be clear to us too. So, and then he clarifies after the questions. He doesn't just leave the questions there. In verse 10, he says, it was not after, but before. Before he was circumcised. So, the timing of Abraham's circumcision was after, all right? So, if you and I are thinking, then why, why do you even have this as a sign? Why did God expect his people in Genesis 17 on to take their little eight-day-old baby boys and perform a painful surgery to them? Okay, well, let's keep reading. Verse 11, he received the sign of circumcision. All right, sign is something that is like a sign that we have out here on the street. Um, that sign out there that says Grace Bible Church isn't Grace Bible Church. We don't, we don't say, oh, there's my church, and we show, show people the sign. Like, what? 
It's a little weird. We all gather around the sign. The sign is our identity. No, that's a little strange. The sign is just there to point people like, this is where the people who call themselves Grace Bible Church, this is where they meet. Okay? If that changes someday, the sign will move. We'll take down the sign. Um, But if we put a sign up, uh, that's just pointing people in a direction. So circumcision is a sign. It points God's people and Abraham and on in a certain direction. Okay? He received the sign of circumcision as a seal. Ah, okay. If you look up this word seal, it's a signet ring or a signet. So if you and I have, we don't use this today, but if you have um, want to get really fancy with letter writing and you pour wax on the seal of your envelope and you have a, uh, a, a way to in, and pour little wax, hot wax on there, and then you have something that in, stamps it. Now, if I had a ring that was my signet ring, and every letter that I wrote in Bible times was sealed with a seal. Whenever Daniel was placed in the lion's den, they got Darius, the king's signet ring, and they sealed it. Whenever Jesus' tomb is sealed, they put a seal on there. It was just a little, uh, probably a bit of wax or something, and they put an impression that said, this is Rome's seal of approval. No one can break this seal unless approved by Rome. No one can let Daniel out of the lion's end unless approved by Darius the king who put him in there, okay? So the signet was the connection to showing an identity. So here we have in verse 11, he receives the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness, a signet that he is righteous. Now, can Abraham be righteous without circumcision, according to what Paul's arguing? The answer is obvious. It's yes. How do we know it's yes? Because of the timing. He was declared righteous in 15. He doesn't have circumcision until 17. He wasn't waiting until 17 to get his final declaring of righteous. No, he was declared righteous by God, and the New Testament tells us this is when Abraham was declared righteous, and it, it quotes over and over and over again, 15.6. That's when Abraham is declared righteous. So why circumcision? All right, circumcision is like a seal. It's a sign. So this ring, I had a hard time getting it off. I don't know if you noticed. Okay, so this ring is a sign. This ring doesn't mean that I'm married. I can be married without this ring. But you know why I wear this ring? Because my wife wants me to wear this ring. (laughs) It's a sign to the world that I'm married. It's a sign to my wife that I love her and I want to be faithful to her. And we are all familiar with people that try to cheat on their spouse. And what do they do to cheat on their spouse? If they're going to go out with someone that's not their wife, they take this off. And don't attach me to a person. No, no, I'm not married. Uh, Yeah, well, if you look at my finger, I've got a really big indent where this is. And I do not ever take this off. Except maybe uh, when I would lose it in the ocean. And my first wedding ring, I lost in the ocean. This is my second. Uh, But I had to quickly get a second (laughs) because uh, we wanted to have a sign, 
okay? This is also, if you look at the inside of my ring, is engraved. It, it's engraved with two names from joy to John 12, 15, 01. That means that no one can steal this and say, oh yeah, this is my wedding ring. And if we're getting evidence that you stole it, hey, let me look at the inside of that ring. Now they could scrub it off, right? But if they didn't, are, is your name John? Is your wife named Joy? Did you get married on 12, 15, 01? And the, the chances of that happening are, there might be one other couple, maybe in the world, but the chances are probably slim. So there's proof that this is, this is mine. This is a sign that I'm married, but I can be married without wearing this. And many men, their wife doesn't care. And they, a lot of men that work in the trades, it's a dangerous thing for them to wear a wedding ring uh, or they'll get caught uh, or it could tear their skin or, or other, other issues. Um, and so they don't uh, on a regular basis, but their wife is fine with them not wearing a ring. Okay, no problem. This ring doesn't make me married and taking it off doesn't make me not married. It's just a sign, okay? And that's what Paul's saying here with circumcision. It's just a sign. It's a symbol. It is a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith. So as Abraham follows God and God says, I want all of my faithful people in the Old Testament to have this physical sign on them so that it's private. You can't look at someone and say, that person's probably circumcised or not. You can't tell. It's private, but they know. Um, their doctor knows. Their, their spouse knows. But other than that, it is, it is private, and it is, it is meant to be a physical. It was meant to be permanent. But by the time Christ comes... The Pharisees, the religious leaders, the chief priests, oh, they would definitely circumcise their sons. It wasn't even a question because they're going to follow Abraham from Genesis 17. And Jesus says, okay, but you need, don't think that you're related to Abraham just because you've got this physical sign on you and your sons. You're not related to Abraham just because you have a physical, a work something that you have done. No. And we go back to Abraham. Abraham was counted as righteous before this physical sign. And if you look at verse 11, he continues, as, as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, while he was still uncircumcised. Ah, oh, Okay. There is a relation to salvation and for Abraham, circumcision, but it was clear it didn't have, it was merely a sign and a symbol, a reminder to Abraham and his offspring that we belong to God, therefore we are to live holy lives to him. When Moses goes back to lead the children of Israel out and he doesn't circumcise his boys, the angel of God comes to Moses, did I say Abraham? It was Moses. Moses, to lead the children of Israel out in the Exodus, Moses, likely his wife talked him out of circumcising their boys, and God was going to kill Moses. You're like, what? It, it seems odd to us in reading that story that 
God comes to Moses in the burning bush. He says, I want you to leave my people out. Moses is on his way back. And on his way back, God wants to kill him. You're like, what is this? It's because he didn't circumcise his sons. And if they refused that physical sign, God says, you cannot be my people. So you can see as the Pharisees who knew the Old Testament well would have promoted and loved this sign, but the sign didn't mean what it meant to Abraham and the faithful to God of the Old Testament. The sign was, a, was merely a work that was easier to do than to give God your heart and trust Him alone as your Savior. And we see throughout the end of Romans 3 and 4 that it is by faith alone that we are saved. He mentions it over and over and over again. And you see here in verse 11, you see the word faith, that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So Abraham was a believer because of faith, not because of his circumcision. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believed without being circumcised. Oh, okay, so why does God separate this physical sign from the gift of salvation? And the gift of salvation comes before. It is so that the father, Abraham, the father of faith, he was the father of faith before being circumcised. Okay, so Abraham is the father figure of all of us who trust in God alone for our salvation. You can go back to Genesis 12, 13, 14, and 15, and when you see 15, 6, you're like, okay, that is when Abraham was saved. And how are we saved? The same way. We're saved the same way. Abraham was saved by trusting in God alone to give him God's righteousness. God counted to, to Abraham's account as righteousness when he fully trusted God alone. So what's that for us? Are you fully trusting God alone as your Savior? Not trusting in a physical thing you can do as part of your religion, not trusting in your good works, not trusting in your law-keeping. You're trusting in Christ alone. Because Abraham was saved by trusting in Christ alone. He didn't have Christ, right, as the, by name, but he knew the Messiah was going to come. Galatians 3 tells us that um, all the families of the earth are going to be blessed, and Abraham understood that. So the purpose was to make him, we're back in verse 11, the purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised, so that righteousness would be counted to them as well. God's plan in rescuing Abraham and the timing of it was so that those who aren't related to Abraham, aren't circumcised, aren't Jewish, would still be able to be saved by faith. So Abraham is the father of all believers, and righteousness can be credited to anyone. Timothy is not going to be circumcised and is yet a leader of the early church in Ephesus and a couple books of the New Testament written to him by Paul. He's not because he is, I'm sorry, Timothy is circumcised, but Titus is not because Titus is a Greek and no need 
uh, to be circumcised at all, and Paul makes it a point to not give in to the Jewish people who wanted him uh, to be circumcised. So righteousness can be credited to anyone who trusts. And then the final thing that we see here in verse 12. Verse 12 says, and to make him, so a couple purposes for the timing of Abraham's uh, salvation and then this, this physical sign. To make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, emphasizing Jewish people that are not right with God, but they're not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. So Jewish people have to read Romans and Galatians and realize we are not right with God because of a physical sign. We are right with God as Abraham was right with God by faith alone. Abraham is then the father figure of all those who are not Jewish and all those who are Jewish. And this is God's salvation plan. We can see it. We can see it here in Romans. It's logical. It, and Paul points this out for us. So what do we do with this passage of Scripture? Well, Psalm 32, we looked at last week as a cross-reference that is quoted in Romans uh, 4, 7, and 8. The first two verses of Psalm 32 are there. The last two verses are up here, Psalm 32, 10, and 11. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. So he starts the psalm with, you should be blessed and happy if you know the Lord. Why are Christians happy? Because the steadfast love of God surrounds us as we trust in the Lord. And we can be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Why are we righteous? Because God gave us His righteousness. When did He do that? At the moment we believed in Christ alone. Everybody, Jewish, Gentile, this is how Abraham was saved. This is how we're saved too. The timing of Abraham's salvation is important because it shows it had nothing to do with his um, circumcision later and everything to do with his faith alone. So when we are righteous, when we are trusting in the Lord, when we are having the steadfast love of God surround us, we can rejoice, we can shout for joy. All you who are upright, that is righteous in heart. God has made us right from the inside out. So how should we rejoice according to this passage? You can rejoice, I can rejoice, that anyone can have God's righteousness if he trusts in Christ alone. Anyone. And I said, I think I said last week, we would, we'll talk to people that are, are sinners and they know that they're going to hell. They, they hope the hell's not too bad, it's just a little smoke coming up from the floor. And as we read hell in, in Revelation 20, it's a lake of fire, it's awful, worse than any movie anyone could ever imagine. Hell is worse than that. And the lake of fire, all of death and hell are cast into the lake of fire, bottomless pit forever. Worm doesn't die. Fire is not quenched. It's awful. And we, with a smile on our face, can tell the worst of sinners, the Romans one sinners, the self-righteous Romans two sinners, with a smile on our face, rejoicing in our heart that, you know what? 
God can save you too. Anyone can have God's righteousness if he trusts in Christ alone. How else should we rejoice? We, re- we can rejoice by helping non-Jewish people to rejoice that God's righteousness is available to them by trusting Christ. You know the world knows that God chose the Jewish uh, people? The Jewish people are hated by a lot of people in the world because God chose them. And if you're not Jewish, you think, I got no chance because I wasn't born Jewish. But we, with a smile on our face, and most of us non-Jewish people, are like, you know what? When you realize that you, as a non-Jewish person, can be part of God's chosen people, God's family, and you can have God's righteousness and be guaranteed that you'll be with God and avoid hell for all eternity, if you'll trust in Christ alone, God will give you His righteousness. He gave it to Abraham before he was physically Jewish. He'll give it to you too. And then with a smile on our face, rejoicing in our heart, we can help our Jewish friends who have overlooked Christ, their Messiah. That's what Christ means. He means Messiah, Savior. He's the only Messiah. He's the only Savior. He is God in the flesh. On the day of Pentecost, it proves when the Holy Spirit comes that Jesus is at God's right hand and He's the one who sent the Spirit, the Jewish people that were chosen by God that day. 3,000 trusted Christ. 5,000 a few chapters later come to Christ. We tell Jewish people, okay, Abraham was justified before he was Jewish physically. He was justified. How is he justified? By faith alone. Same way I'm justified. Same way you're justified. Same way Old Testament saints are justified. Same way New Testament saints are justified. Everybody's justified the same way. It's simple. Timing and looking at Abraham's uh, chronology of his life is important. And so we can help our Jewish friends befriend Jewish people. If you look back at Romans 1.16, our theme verse, it mentions the Jewish people there. Let's go back there and close with this verse. Romans 1.16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first. To the Jew first. It's a theme verse of Romans. And Paul's writing as the apostle to the Gentiles, but yet when he went from town to town, you know what he did? He went to the Jew first. Why? Because God told him, God led him to do that. Sometimes they had a synagogue and he spent a couple weeks there. Sometimes they didn't even have a synagogue like Philippi, and he goes with Lydia, finds the place of the faithful Jewish people, and they're out on a bank of a river praying. And he goes and witnesses to them first. So don't avoid Jewish people. Don't avoid non-Jewish people. Everyone's saved as God gives them his righteousness after they trust in Christ alone. And that truth tied to Genesis or to Psalm 32 should make all of our hearts rejoice. We're blessed. And God wants to bless the world. 
the seed of Abraham is a blessing to the nations. And his name is Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father, as we come to you and prepare our hearts for communion, we remember the tremendous price that was paid for the sins of the world. We're thankful for the broken body of our Savior. Thank you for his blood that was spilled to wash away our sins. Thank you for your steadfast love that we can clearly see at the cross. Thank you for surrounding us with your steadfast love and causing our hearts to rejoice. I pray that joy would be present in our conversations with those who don't know you yet this week. I pray for those who do know you yet and aren't rejoicing in their salvation that that we can provoke them to rejoice in you. That though our outer man perishes, though the world rages against you and hates Christ and is trying to devise all kinds of other ways of salvation, we know the truth. The truth has set us free. Thank you for your righteousness. Thank you for showing us it is by trusting Christ and what he has done on the cross and the empty tomb alone. I pray that you'd be pleased with the, how we conclude this service with remembering your son. And it's because of him we come to you. Amen.